Welcome to Waiting For You, the podcast where we talk infertility, hope, loss and courage. I'm Janine, mum of one, a newborn and family photographer and lover of dark chocolate. Here we will share stories of families who have faced a different or difficult journey through conception, pregnancy or postpartum. I want to honour these stories and have them be heard, and I want to bring it all, the tears, the hope, the despair, and the joy. Today I am talking with Kelly. We are going to talk about baby loss, so if that is something that is hard for you, please take care of yourself and choose whether you want to listen to this episode. Kelly shares with us in this episode her experience of losing two babies shortly after birth due to a chromosomal issue that runs in her family. This is a beautiful episode and I am honoured to have been able to listen to, to Kelly's story and to share it with you. Here's Kelly's story. Hey Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Do you want to start, Kelly, by telling us a little bit about um, you and your family? Yeah, I I have her husband, Russell. He is a teacher and I have um, four kids. So uh, um, a 10-year-old girl, um, Brooklyn, a nine-year-old son, Jake, and then I have um, two other daughters, uh, Nina Wood, be coming up five and Molly would be coming up um she would be uh no sorry she's just over three three yeah yeah Um, yeah and they they passed away just after they were born so yeah 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 but very much a part of your your family right Yeah. yeah totally yeah and so with the family you have here with you what what do you love doing as a family I guess Humor is a big part of our family. Um, my really? husband, he's, he's, he's yeah. very funny. So, um, yeah, and I definitely think my son has picked that up too. So, yeah, humor and having fun are a big part of his. He just likes to have fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and oh. we enjoy we enjoy having people over too. Like uh, that's a big part of life is um, yeah having people over for meals. He's a big barbecuer, so yeah, we're pretty we're pretty at home people, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Love to bring others into that. So today, Kelly, you're going to share with us about, well, about your family, but especially about those special little girls that you lost. Mm-hmm. So can you start telling me about the chromosomal um, issue that you kind of always have known as part of your family? Um, we didn't know it was part of our family originally. So my parents had me and first, first child, fine and healthy, no issues. And then they went on a couple of years later and mm-hmm. had a miscarriage, which, you know, is reasonably common. So you don't look into that. Yeah. And then um, they had they had another wee girl, um, a daughter, and um, mum had preeclampsia, went into hospital at about 35 weeks. And, and she, over that next week while she was in hospital, her baby passed away so she really? she had Shab- Shannon as a still a stillborn baby at 36 weeks mm-hmm. yeah and so that was pretty out of the blue a real shock and um they had an autopsy um after Shannon was born because there had been no indicators you know as to reasons why yeah. this might happen um yeah. and that was when they discovered um that uh my dad had a balanced chromosome translocation. So um, his number seven and five chromosomes um, had, um, yeah, parted, broken off and joined with the other. And, and oh. that that had kind of um, caused the issue with Shannon. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I th- and as part of that, I was, how old was I? I was four and a half at the time. So I would have had testing then too. And it showed that I was a carrier of this same right. condition too. Yeah. Yeah. And right. so and I was just going to ask, um, that doesn't affect your dad. Um, no, it, yeah, it doesn't affect. So, um, it doesn't affect us at all in everyday life. So 
it just affects you when you go to have children. So, you know, dad had no knowledge of it, but then it's just a random thing. Nobody else in his family has it. So it was just a random thing that cropped up for him, you know, when he was made. (laughs) And, um, And then it carries on from then on. So he's passed it on to me. And yeah. and I've also passed it on to my two cho- my two living children have a have a balanced chromosome translocation. So if oh, it's balanced, cool. yeah, they do. Yeah, so they. So I'll just explain a little bit about yeah, what do. it means. Yeah, so no issues at all in everyday life. And then when you come to have kids, this basically this is how it works. Um, every pregnancy, there's four options basically you can be you can carry none of this so you can be absolutely fine and not be a carrier and walk on and you know you won't be a carrier my sister is like that you can be um you can be uh, a carrier which I am so I'm a carrier but I carry a balanced pair of chromosomes so it's all balanced so everything's okay for me and there can and then, so that's fifty percent of your chances. And then the other fifty percent, you can you will carry an unbalanced chromosome translocation, and that's where the problems come in. So if it's unbalanced, oh. it's generally deemed incompatible with life. Yeah. So either miscarriage, the baby will die of miscarriage, or the baby will come could be stillborn or um, they're deemed incompatible with life and they may live for a tiny yeah. bit but will die very shortly after birth. Yeah. So, yeah, you've kind of got yeah. a 50-50 chance um, every time yeah. you fall pregnant, really... uh, whether your baby will yeah, wow. live or die. So, wow. yeah, it's it's quite – it's pretty high odds. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That that's very high odds. That, yeah, that it's not going to pan out um, perfectly when you yeah. have a baby. So your children, will they need to worry about this when they have children? Yeah, they will. So um, obviously, you know, just normal life until you have children. But yeah, they will have yeah. the same. Okay. They will have the same issues that um, we have had. So they'll have those same four, um, I guess, outcomes when they when they fall pregnant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, it's big stuff, hey? Yeah, it is. It is when it carries on down. When it's hereditary yeah. and it, it carries on and you've known loss and then you know that it's going to continue on for them too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so how is that like for you, like knowing that and then obviously knowing you wanted to have children, what what was that kind of like making those decisions around having children? Yeah, I guess I, I'm not a particularly um, – I've always known that that was there and I've always known the potential that it was going to be hard and it wouldn't come easy having kids. Mm. Um, I didn't. I definitely didn't walk into it blind. But I'm also like, eh, I won't worry about it till it happens. Right. <laughs> kind of yep. person, you know. Like I, I just don't really fret over that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, my husband and I travelled um, to England, did an OE and things, and it definitely uh, impacted things like that because we were very planned when we would have children because I knew there was testing involved. There was, and so when you knew that, hey, um, we probably want to be zealous having children. Um, yeah, just so we're in the system here. And, I, you know, you just believe that New Zealand yeah. has a great healthcare system, which they do. So, yeah, that was definitely part of our plan to was to come home. Um, yeah, before. Yeah, right. So you had anything that, like that. Because when you're yeah, in the process. Yeah, so you, yeah. you kind of needed to plan that extra bit more than... Yeah. 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 Okay. But it didn't stop you from um, going ahead to have children. No. No. So um, I guess it didn't. It didn't stop us wanting to have children. I, I've always wanted to have kids. Always had four in mind or a big family. Right. I came. I came from a smaller family, so I always wanted a, a bigger one. Um, yeah. And I kind of knew that. Um, it would happen at some point, you know. There's there's the four outcomes. So, mm. at some point, I would end up having a baby. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was that was. We kind of thought, look, we'll we'll um try and and at some point it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. And so, you shared with me earlier that your um your first attempts to have a child. You had several miscarriages. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah. So we, my dad, yeah, my dad got 
diagnosed with cancer while we were on our OE. And so um, we decided to pull the pin and come home and be with him because it was terminal. And um, that kind of just triggered our decision to go, hey, we're home in New Zealand. This could take a while to try and have kids. Let's just start. And so, yeah, we got home and (laughs) pretty much, yeah, it got got onto it straight away. And, yeah, so first – first time uh, we felt we fell pregnant very easily it was pregnant on the first month and yeah i mean that's a, a happy surprise you know it, it can be hard um to fall pregnant even but yeah so we're oh, happy really? with that and we yeah. we kept we kept um quiet about it because i guess i just i couldn't be bothered with the fuss if it was going if something was going to go wrong and i knew that there was a potential for it to go wrong yeah and we knew that we'd have to have uh, testing at 12 weeks, chorionic villus sampling, just to check what the yeah. chromosome makeup of the baby was. And so mm-hmm. we just kept quiet, quiet, quiet. Um, and we hit 12 weeks and we thought, oh, let's be brave. Let's tell our parents and um, and parents, yeah, yeah, parents-in-law. And we did. And then the next day I went in and saw the specialist and, um, sorry, um, the midwife. And she said the baby had passed away. So that felt, it felt a, a bit of a kicker, honestly. Yeah. yeah. When you waited that long and you're like, yeah, let's be brave. We're almost there. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was first, first time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I knew in my head that you just keep trying until you get mm-hmm. one. And so right. so grief for me at that stage over miscarriages, looking back of what I know of grief now, I probably didn't grieve things particularly well. That, that was, yeah, that, that first miscarriage was pretty, um, it was pretty hard physically, that one. And yeah. I probably just pushed through, <laughs> went straight back to work and thought, right, we'll start again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you know or think at that stage that that miscarriage was likely to be because of this condition? Yeah, I guess I definitely had that in mind. We knew that yeah. miscarriages were a big part of this. So, yeah. I mean, miscarriage happens reasonably regularly too so it could have been anything so yeah at that stage I wasn't pinning it on that but I knew that was a high likelihood that is part of it yeah 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 and so we went ahead and and tried to fall pregnant again Mm -hmm. and yes and second time around yeah got to I wasn't really even 100% aware I was pregnant but we had a miscarriage at about um, six weeks on the second right, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And by this stage, yeah, I guess I kind of was going, yeah, you know, back to back. It it just mm-hmm. feels a bit, yeah, I'd say it's likely to be this. Yeah, but <laughs> same thing. You kind of just march on and <laughs> fell, fell pregnant again. So each time there was only a month in between. Yeah, we're very thankful that we could fall pregnant easily. We just couldn't stay pregnant easily. Yeah. 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 And so fell pregnant again for the third time. And I was under I was under the high risk care clinic at Auckland um, because I'm type one diabetic. So oh, we wow. had yeah, we had very good care like um there's always a lot of a lot of extra from them which is really awesome and I was kind of doing bloods every three days because they could see that this was recurrent and yeah. um doing bloods every three days to track the H- HCG and just give an indicator of you know where this baby was headed yeah and it started tailing off at, at the HCG started tailing off at probably eight eight weeks it started tailing off and mm-hmm. my midwife said to me, I think this baby will will pass too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of had this stoic like, no, you can't tell me that. Let's just keep right. marching on. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll come round. But it never came round. <laughs> um, I guess she knew more than me. But yeah, <laughs> but it, fe- it was feeling pretty frustrating by that point. Three, yeah. um, three miscarriages in a row and just the back to back like it was. Yeah, it was a lot of pregnancy. Um, yeah, and hard yeah. on the bone. Yeah, <laughs> it was. You kind of don't think about it at the time, but yeah, you just rock on. Yeah. Yeah. So that baby um, passed away at ten weeks, 
And right. I, I think I was feeling pretty demoralized at that point, um, mm. as, as were family too. You know, three in a row, it's frustrating, you know, when it's yeah. recurrent and you're not seeing any change. Yeah. 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 And, and again, <laughs> just marched on and tried to fall pregnant again. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously we know you have some children. So did you get pregnant the next time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So fell pregnant. I mean, did you have a pregnancy that came to a live birth? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that fourth pregnancy was my daughter, Brooklyn. And so that that pregnancy ended up in a in a live birth. And so it had been probably a year and a half of being pregnant by the yeah. end of that cycle of miscarriages and having Brooklyn. Uh, we had never got to the point of having the chorionic villus sampling test done with any of the other pregnancies, but mm-hmm. we knew um, we needed to do that just for ease of mind for us. We wanted to know. Um, so so would this, that tell you if the baby was not going to be well? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it it gives um, chromosomal detail of the baby and it will tell you whether the baby has the broken chromosome translocation, whether um, it could even tell us that that Brooklyn had a balanced chromosome translocation. So we knew right from then that she was a carrier too. Yeah, Yeah. that she was going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was quite important for us to have that testing done. Some people say, why Why would you bother just, you know, wait and see? But for us, it just means you can plan. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gives <laughs> you some certainty. Yeah, it gives you some headspace to kind yeah. of go, hey, actually, I need to get my head around this. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, at what um, stage of pregnancy do they do that testing? So they do that around 11, 12 weeks. Right, and, okay. Yeah, it's, it's very much like an amnio but um mm-hmm. there is a slight risk in it uh at more risk than an amnio at that stage yeah. because um it's only 11, 11 12 weeks um mm-hmm. yeah and they just insert a, a big needle into your tummy and take some fluid yeah. um, from the placenta and then do some testing on that mm-hmm. yeah and that that comes back and gives you an answer which it, it takes a long while like it takes probably another two weeks from testing so <laughs> When you can't, yeah, you're never excited. I, I've just, I never felt excited in those mm. pregnancies until I got that result back because there was always a cloud hanging over over you until you knew what the outcome would be of those yeah. pregnancies. Yeah. Because and once you got to that point and got that positive news, was it just like any other pregnancy at that from that point on? In terms yeah. of, yeah, in terms of headspace, for me, no, I, I really, uh-huh. I, like it took me till about, you'd find out at about 15 weeks what the outcome was, mm-hmm. and but it would take a while to just almost thaw out mm, <laughs> and, and buy into the pregnancy that it was happening and right, that it was yeah. real. Yeah, and so about 20, 21 weeks, you start feeling, hey, actually, we can make plans, we can be excited. This is it, we're going to have a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the pregnancies, um, yeah, her pregnancy was, I mean, it's high risk because of the diabetes, but um, yeah. nothing nothing to do with um, anything else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so when you had um, your son, was the process the same? Yeah, exactly the same with him. So we had Brooklyn and we knew that we both wanted more children and we knew that it it could take a while. My parents had five and a half years between their two living children because because of um the chromosomal issues. Yeah. Um and so we we just thought, right, we want to have children reasonably close together. And I fell pregnant with Jake when Brooklyn was eleven months old. So Mm -hmm. yeah, they were pretty close together and we were kind of amazed that we got two living living kids back to back or two healthy Amazing. pregnancies back to back um yeah. like that yeah we're pretty thankful for that yeah absolutely yeah. so before we talk about um the subsequent children that you had can you tell me um just tell me a little bit about Brooklyn and Jake what are they like yeah um Brooklyn is she's 10 and she is incredibly kind kid just Aww. 
has this inherent kindness to her. Such a good kid. <laughs> like, yeah, an easy kid to parent. Just a very easy kid. Lovely. Yeah. And Jake. Yeah, those kids. Hey? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, she was a pain. <laughs> she was a pain in her toddler years, but man, she came out good the other side. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And Jake is, he is a lot of fun. He is, uh, he's just turned nine. So yeah, he is. He's very cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a great sense of humor. We do clash quite a lot, me mm-hmm. and him. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's incredibly cuddly and lovely too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, they sound amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go on. So you sent me an article to read and I was so interested about this because you described in that that you'd had your two children and I mean the obvious option is to stop there and never walk the tightrope again, but you just didn't feel like your family was complete. Can you can you tell me about that and the decision to keep trying for a, another baby? Yeah, yeah. I yes. Um this was I guess with <laughs> We'd never really talked numbers, my my husband and I, like about how many children we wanted to have. And yeah. once we'd had our two healthy children, you know, a boy and a girl, it's quite nice and tidy and, yeah. you know, the picture perfect, like a boy <laughs> and girl child. You know, why would you want to keep going when you have those big risks of mm. having a baby that that will die and we hadn't had to walk that real tightrope of we'd had the miscarriages but we hadn't had to go any further than the miscarriages yet Mm -hmm. so uh, do we really want to go down there i mean yeah it's definitely a decision to make for me i i just had always wanted a bigger family and i guess because because we'd never talked numbers in russell's head he had thought right you know we've got our lot that's that's enough yeah but for me i just really really desired to have another child um two felt small to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) a two kid family felt small and i and this is just my own pride talking probably it it probably felt like i could do more i could be a better mum with three kids (laughs) such a ridiculously stupid thing to say now but (laughs) you know in your head you have these games playing sometimes um yeah and so i really wanted a third and i yeah i just quietly put it towards russell over years really it took probably about two and a half years to change his mind Mm -hmm. about trying for a third yeah and in conversations that this was it, you know, whatever happened, this was it. One, yeah. one more try. Yeah, one more try, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, we did. And, yeah, we fell pregnant reasonably easier. Easy, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, this was this was for our third baby and did all the same things, waited the 12, the 12 weeks, did the testing, um, yeah. and then – waiting for your answer at 15, 16 weeks. And yep. and the testing came back that this little baby uh, was incompatible with life and wow. had, had the unbalanced chromosome translocation. Yeah. 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 And so what was that like to get that news? I guess it was almost something like I'd been waiting for that to happen at some point in my life that yeah. it would you know, I always knew the potential for it. And then it was like, right, okay, this is the reality. I probably was thinking positively about it, honestly. I, I'm generally glass half full. Yeah. Um, yeah. My husband probably talks things down more negatively and so was waiting for a bad answer. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. Right. Yeah. And so, so can you talk, uh, just tell us, tell us the story of Nina. You can just tell us anything you want to tell us, but um, one question that springs to mind immediately is, were there decisions to be made? Like, were doctors talking to you about a termination mm. for medical reasons at that point? Like, what happened? Yeah, so those questions come up straight away. Like, they're right. immediate when you when you get that um, diagnosis. Yeah, yeah they're the first thing because you're already at 16 weeks yeah. um, when you're getting these answers and there's timeframes around termination um, when termination is easier and and when it becomes more difficult. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that that is talked about immediately. You know, I remember being with my midwife and them saying, look, we can actually talk about this tomorrow if we want. And it was like, yeah, it just felt 
very immediate. Um, mm. I guess for us, because we'd always known that this was a possibility, we had we already had in our mind what we knew we wanted to do if mm. this was the case. Right. Yeah, we we had already talked to talked about it. We have a faith. Um, we're Christians, and we had talked about. The idea for us is that it's not our decision to make over life and death. Um, right. That's that's up for us. It's up to God. You know that okay. decision of of when life starts and ends. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So for us, the idea that we had had was that we would carry to term. You know, carry yeah. to whenever that baby might live or die, and would leave it up to. God, essentially, yeah, and that's that's a nice thought. <laughs> beforehand. Yeah. and you think, yeah, cool, yeah. yep, I can do that. And then <laughs> you have to actually make that decision, and it's it's so different when you actually have to make that decision, right, compared yeah. to it being a hypothetical. Yeah, totally. Yeah, mm. you you have to. You can't make decisions like that just based on what other people in your faith might say is the right thing to do. You have mm-hmm. to come to terms with it yourself. You have to believe it yourself that that what you're making that decision on is is in your heart yeah yeah you yeah. can't do you can't do that course of that pregnancy just because it's something that other people think you should do yeah 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 and that comes i guess it's either way you know termination or yeah. carrying yeah <laughs> Yeah. Only you can make that decision, hey? Yeah, totally. People can have it, all the opinions in the world, but you're yeah. the one standing there with yeah. the decision. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So while I knew what I needed to, what I had said I would do in my mind, I just spent about a week or so just making a real decision and talking to people about it. Um, mm-hmm. I had a friend who had, she was pregnant with twins and she was given the option to terminate one baby to save the other. Yeah, and that's an awful decision to make. Yep. She, had, she had decided to carry on and both twins passed away at just over 20 weeks. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I talked to people that had been through the same. I just wanted opinions of people who had been in the same position. Fortunately, I knew someone personally, you know, close, personal friend who I could talk to about that. And she was awesome. Yeah, it was really I've been really blessed with a whole bunch of people around me who have had baby grief experiences. So, um, yeah, it was really good to just talk through that and just come to the conclusion. And I say my mind, (laughs) it's Russell's, it was Russell's decision too, but he knew that it's me carrying that baby. So Mm -hmm. I had to be, yeah, it it was really down to me to make the decision either way. Yeah. And he said that to me too, you know, he said, look, I'll support you either way. You know, this is what um, I think I would like to do, but it, it is really up to you because it is your decision. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're carrying it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And and so you made that decision to to carry to term or to whenever yes, the yeah. baby died naturally. Yeah. So what was it like going through a pregnancy with kind of knowing that your baby could die at any time? Yeah, it it, it is such an it's such an odd thing and. It, it's, it's quite hard to explain to people who haven't been through it. Like there's just these little parts to it that are just so hard to understand. But yeah, I guess it's, it's you feel a deep connectedness to your baby. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. I mm-hmm. think I probably felt more connected to this baby. Her name's Nina. Yeah, when she's born, she's called Nina. And um, yeah. yeah, so this baby Nina, I felt very connected to probably because – I'm the one carrying her and her protector and I'm probably going to be the only, I could be the only place she's living, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very much the the baby could die any day. Stillbirth could happen at any moment. And I'm not an anxious person, but there's definitely an alertness, a, a hyper, mm. a hyper mm. alertness. Hyper alert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Around particularly movement. The baby doesn't move this these babies didn't move a lot. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, they they they've got so much. So much is wrong. So so much is wrong with their little bodies. You know, there was trouble with the brain. There was trouble with heart, lungs, cleft palate, <clears throat> lots of different things. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the, they just don't have as much movement. They're not as they're not as active as a normal baby. So yeah. Yeah, you're definitely quite wary over movement and and wondering 
what's going on. Have you gone already? Yeah. I guess it's, it's a very, I'd say something that I realized is that it's incredibly lonely. Um, You could have all the people around you, the greatest support, but it is very lonely. Mm. Yeah. There's just, because no one really knows. Yeah, exactly. Even your husband, you know, like you have, have an awesomely supportive husband, but there is just some things that they can't experience because they're not carrying that child. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definite thoughts constantly of why am I doing this? What is the point? Mm, right. I've chosen I've chosen to carry this child. They're going to die straight away. What? This is a lot of effort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you, you do have those thoughts run through your head occasionally because pregnancies do wreck your body. And I was getting mm. older at that stage. I think I was 36 when I had Nina. So I was yeah. getting getting older and it was different to my earlier pregnancies, yeah. Mm. And so, Kelly, would you share with us about Nina being born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my midwife was amazing and midwife and um, – so I was with, with the high-risk clinic now for two reasons, um, yeah. for, for the diabetes and for Nina's complications. And they were just the most phenomenal team and they, they really worked with us. They just – believed in what we wanted to do and made it happen and so we were incredibly lucky we had this 36 week idea in our head that at 36 weeks um if we got to that stage I could deliver and hopefully meet her alive yeah and so they just they planned for that and they made that happen um they planned for a Caesar I had had two Caesars already so this was another Caesar and they allowed us to have a photographer there. You know, they made space and rooms for us. So we were private. We weren't seeing everything else of the hospital going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were pretty scared that day. The, the whole night before, I hadn't felt her move for probably, it felt like maybe 24 hours. I hadn't felt her move. And I was shaking in my boots. Like, I really thought, flipping here, we've made it this far don't do this now. Like, you know, if we want to meet you alive. It was really important. Russell really wanted to meet them alive. And yeah, we were really freaking out. And finally that morning, we hadn't slept all the night before because we just couldn't feel her moving. And finally at about 4am, I felt her, I rolled over in bed and I felt her kick. And I just, I just thought, okay we can get there now <laughs> we can get there <laughs> we're yeah. really there we were going into, yeah we're going into hospital at, I think 8 a.m you know that morning and we just had to hang on you know we were almost there it really was yeah. a clinging on by, by <laughs> your fingernails it felt yeah and uh, <clears throat> so just really well cared for it into the Caesar room and um you know you're having your injection in your back epidural <laughs> so you yep. can have your Caesar and um yeah I really I I was starting to feel quite tense at that point and just wanting it to happen like come on come on when yeah yeah when I want to need this yeah. done <laughs> and yeah yeah it hadn't felt hopeful until then but yeah, it was just all becoming a reality. And I would just remember they have you laid on the Caesar bed and um, I just was shaking. Like it's the drug, I think the Caesar drugs as well, but I just yeah. could, could not stop shaking. I was just, um, they strap your arms down and everything and my fingers and hands, like Russell had to hold my arm down because I was just like, wow. it just overcame my body. Just this like, I don't know what it was, just this almost not excitement, but. Yeah, just yeah. this feeling of this is it's huge, this moment. Um, this moment, yeah, it's come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and there's also a bit like it's going to go really quickly. This mm. is a reality. Like mm. as soon as she's, she's fine and dandy inside me for the moment, as soon as she's out, her body can't cope. It's, it's all over. Like, yeah. So there was those feelings going on too. But, yeah, anyway, she was born and she – she didn't, you know, she didn't let out a cry. <laughs> like I kind of wasn't expecting a cry as she first came out, but yeah. I can't, couldn't see anything because it's Caesar and you have the screen up kind of. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they they got they got a little um, 
mask on her um, and just just to clear some of her airways and then I could hear her crying and one of the things that comes with this chromosome translocation is a condition called cru de chat which is a French condition it means cry of the cat um, ah. and so her little cry it was like a cat like it was like a little <laughs> meow <laughs> so oh. cute <laughs> And so I heard that, and honestly, just, yeah, tears just pour like that. Um, yeah, and then they brought her around, and her eyes were open, and she was there, and she was lying on me, and I just didn't expect her to have open eyes. Or, How amazing. Yeah, she was beautiful. Like, um, there was little things about her that she was, she looked like a perfect baby, really. There was just some very fine things that you kind of noticed weren't quite right. But yeah. um, but really, you had to look really closely to find those things, and it was just yeah, it was it was amazing. Like there was probably twenty people in the theatre. It was full of people because they'd all been prepped what kind of birth it was going to be. There was just such joy there. Like it was a really really joyful moment, and joyful but tearful at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You look around, and there was like nurses who I didn't know from a bar of soap, but they're all bawling their eyes out you know oh. they, they were crying and it was just beautiful like just a really beautiful experience yeah to meet her alive yeah how amazing yeah yeah it was pretty cool euphoric I would call it euphoric just this other world yeah to kind of uh do your I don't know how many months eight eight and a half months of trying to get there and finally yeah. getting there and getting to meet them alive it was such an icing on the cake for us we just felt yeah. so so fortunate to get there yeah How amazing and so um what happened how long did she live for yeah so so the yeah she lived for an hour 45 so we we had we had her in the theater and then they moved us to a recovery room and there uh we had our grandparents in there and our children came in nice. yeah um my sister was there as well and we had a photographer who took photos um yeah and it was just a really lovely experience to be able to share your child yeah. with others we were very careful you know we we didn't want the overwhelm we didn't know what that situation was going to be like how we'd feel and so we yeah we didn't we just had really close family there yeah um and we had a grandma for each of our children just to be right. like the spotter. <laughs> yeah. Them, to just be really caring for them in that yeah. time. And everybody, you know, everybody had a hold. She, mm-hmm. she had her, just her eyes wide open. She was taking it all in. And she, and she was, yeah, it was lovely. It was just, didn't feel rushed. Just, yeah, felt calm and peaceful yeah. and um yeah, we just held her and you could just see over that time that her breathing was slowing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and I guess the, one of the problems is the brain, her brain couldn't tell her lungs to breathe essentially was the main problem. So yeah. while they look beautiful, they look normal, there's just too much wrong inside to keep her alive. Yeah. And we had talked to the palliative care and people beforehand there was a whole lot of preparation in place we weren't just going to put her on any machines or anything like that we weren't going to go to NICU we knew that her outcome was she was going to pass away and so we just wanted time to hold her and be with her and that's that's so that's how it played out there was no as her breathing slowed there was no jumping in of nurses and doctors and you know do anything more yeah so that kind of was I think in some ways that is quite a nice piece when you yeah I it's hard though I knew that very well but Russell maybe hadn't been to so many of those meetings and so Mm -hmm. as he was seeing her slowly fade he found that quite hard like oh can we not do something more yeah so yeah it's it's just this weird mix of emotions (laughs) at that time yeah it sounds, even though it's so, so sad, it sounds so peaceful and yeah. that she just soaked up all that love in the room. Yeah, yeah. It is truly a beautiful time. Like, it's, it is sad, but man, that experience is something else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've actually been in a room as a photographer with a few families 
doing this and so I know that space and you're it's it's so beautiful it's painful but it's so beautiful yeah 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 and so then you said goodbye to her did she just slowly fade away she did she just slowly faded away and our obstetrician just came over and she just was in my arms and she just peacefully went away stopped breathing um slowed down to you know right down and the obstetrician just came and and um just checked that she had gone yeah and that you know that that was definitely a moment in itself too you know yeah of course yeah to actually go they're gone yeah and so well first of all I just need to say I'm so sorry I mean I know you knew you were going to lose her but I'm so sorry that you did um and then I wanted to ask how did your how did you and Russell and your kids kind of cope in the aftermath of that yeah so yeah I think I didn't see a huge effect on our kids they were they were five five and four at the time and it was an experience and they had these memories created from meeting her and she pops up all the time in conversation she's very much (laughs) part of our conversation yeah and I think there were questions, things like that. But, yeah, I, it didn't seem like there was a huge effect for them. Yeah. Um, for Russell, I know, yeah, there's different moments. I think the men, men are often expected just to head back to work. That's so true. It's, it is hard. I mean, I think there's an inherent, hey, I want to take care of my family too. Like yeah. there, there is that part of it as well. But. There's not the space created as much for men to grieve. I agree. And, and yeah, I, I think that was hard for him. He was very aware of it too. Men are probably <laughs> less good at talking about it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got yeah. some good guys that we know through church who who have lost children and ask the questions that need to be asked and take them out for a beer and yeah, you know, nice. just have proper chats. and. Yeah, so he marched on, okay, there's moments at any time, you know, where it pops up. It's not something It's not something you kind of, you do an intense, you definitely do an intense period after they're born of, of where it's so raw. But, yeah. you know, grief pops up all over life. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I, yeah, I, I felt like I was, was very present, I was very there. I, I felt... You feel quite unseen, <laughs> like your yep. body has physically changed, you know, yes. and and you go back to school and kindy and things like that, and just hmm. it was like nobody even knew I was pregnant, like right, re- at least at your core friends, you know, you just you're walking to school and you just feel invisible, like nobody's right. seen a change in you. You've got no baby to hold on to, your body's quite physically changed, and nobody knows why yeah. or didn't even notice. Yeah, and that. That was probably one of my biggest hurts at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, the world just marches on. Hey. Yeah, the world just marches on. It was like, did you not see that big, massive thing that happened? It just happened <laughs> I to mean, me. You yeah. know, they're, they're not people I know well, but they're these people you see every day, you know, like in passing. So you just have these quite deep feelings, I think, you know, once yeah. once you come out of this and you've got no child to care for. Yeah. 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 I think also maybe, um, maybe some people notice, but, don't know what to say or don't yeah. know if they should say anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and to, totally, that's it too. Yeah, it's an awkward space. It's a really yeah, awkward space. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of um, marched on from there, kind of moved it. I really felt probably a change at about six months where right. you're stepping out of the rawness of it. But um, looking back now, I, I just had this probably two months of where I could not, I just could not shift this feeling of of wanting another child. Like, yeah. I just, yeah, I could not shift it. I tried all different ways around it. You know, I talked to Russell about it. He was he was a definite no on on trying mm-hmm. again because, man, it's a massive part of your life. Like, you're giving up quite a bit of, you know, there's a big impact on family and everything like that. And yeah. he wasn't willing to go there and. Looking back, I think I, I probably was quite depressed for about two months. I just remember not being able to find joy in anything. Like you'd be cooking mm-hmm. dinner and the kids would make some joke and just could not even 
trigger a smile, you know? Just nothing, yeah. Just nothing. Just really was flatlining it, I think. I didn't I didn't see a doctor about it or anything, but looking back, yeah. I, I realised I probably was quite depressed. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, Russell wasn't didn't want to go ahead with another child, and I just thought, look, I'll leave it a while. And I just left it. And it just wouldn't go away. That feeling just would not go away, no matter what I tried to push mm-hmm. it aside with. And then we got to the next year in about April. And, you know, we'd had conversations on and off. And, yeah, we just talked We talked a lot about, yeah, just not being able to shift this feeling. And, and Russell was really um, – he didn't want – we knew that there was like resentment were built, you know, yep. in our marriage um, yep. over this and both ways as well, you know, mm. like he could resent me for pushing for another child. I could resent him for not allowing it. Um, yeah. And we were very aware about that. And yeah. And so we just kept the conversation going and eventually he came around to the fact that, yeah, he didn't want that resentment and let's give it one last shot wow yeah so brave (laughs) yeah yeah it was pretty brave I don't I don't know where my braveness came from I kind of thought it was like I've done this before I can do it again right yeah yeah. and yeah just wanting that that third child third living child yeah 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 um yeah so tell us what happened yeah, so we um, tried again, and we had conditions around trying again that right. this was it. Like, maybe if there was a miscarriage, we'd try again after that. But, you know, if if it was a, um, a, a baby incompatible for life again, we would not... We yeah. would not be going again after There's that. the line. <laughs> there's a line. There's a line, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You found um, it. <laughs> you can't keep pushing this forever. So I felt incredibly thankful for, like, it is a sacrifice for him to do that, yeah. like, to do it once for Nina and then to to say again, yes, yeah, let's go ahead. You know, yeah. he's not a pushover. He's not, he's definitely not a pushover. And for him to come to that conclusion and say, yeah, it's okay we can try again was I felt very thankful yeah yeah and yeah so we tried again (laughs) and we fell pregnant did the whole wait until the CVS yeah had the CVS done there was issues we had to go in and have it done again so it was all like this all adds to the time of when you're getting your answer It's, it's a pretty intense period those first 16 weeks just waiting 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 Mm -hmm. waiting to get that answer that you want yeah and and it got extended because of there was a muddle up with the testing and a mosaicism which is yeah just where some of my blood had gotten with the testing so they were trying to work out whether it was my chromosomes or the babies right yeah and so it had to be sent over to australia and things and just the time was ticking ticking and we kind of knew in our mind just we had an inkling just from things that midwife had said that it wasn't good it wasn't going to pan out and yeah we got that diagnosis again so yeah gosh (laughs) that was yeah that was pretty yeah I guess I felt a kick in the teeth yeah I think we'd cut I had I had resigned myself to that fact too that that was you know probably the way it was going to play out you know the last the last weeks of waiting for testing just felt pretty negative yeah yeah um yeah and so we'd done it once with Nina and we we were given the options again from the medical team you know you can terminate yeah I just definitely felt well first of all you know, same same decision as last time, but also if you've done it for one child, you'd do it for the other. Right. Well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we went ahead. But my midwife, she's she's beautifully supportive, and she just said, "Look, if you if you they're so open and lovely," and she said, "If you need to change your mind at any time, you can." Right. Um, she knew that. I guess she probably knew more of the reality of it and yeah. like this is going to be much harder mm-hmm. this time around yeah 
Um, so yeah, she said that to me at the beginning. But yeah, yeah, we yeah continued on the same story. Yeah, continue the pregnancy. Yeah, we'd continue until we knew that we had hoped too because we knew that we could meet a baby alive. Like, I guess Nina had given us that hope. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had no idea the first time around. We very much were like, we're prob- you know, this could all, <laughs> I don't mean this could all be for nothing, but that's sometimes how it feels. You know, you yeah. carry this child and, and you don't even get to meet them. That's so hard. Yeah, yeah so we kind of felt like, hey, we could, we could get to meet her again. But, yeah, it's going to be the same outcome, essentially. Yeah. So I guess we hoped on, on the fact that we'd get to 36 weeks and we could do that. Um, and is that, was that what happened? Yeah, that's what happened with Molly too. Exactly the same. Really? Exactly, yeah, exactly the same. Almost identical, these two. I guess I probably was a little bit, I was a little bit more slack with my diabetes second time round. You get a little bit blasé with, mm. um, with I think, because you know your child's not going to live. I probably became a bit blasé about testing my blood and all those kind of things. So that added a little bit of complications at the end. Yeah, but they they panned out nearly exactly the same. Um, she was born at 36 weeks under Caesar, and she was a bigger baby than Nina, um, probably because I was slack with my diabetes. And, <laughs> and yeah, she lived She lived a little bit less than Nina. She um, she lived for an hour 30. And, and she did she was, have her eyes open? No, she didn't. She, she didn't. Tiny, tiny bit opened her eyes. She was vocal, but she yeah. didn't really open her eyes. And she, yeah, she just was more there wasn't as much life in her as Nina. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt like she was going to go quicker. And that whole birth, like, it was different. That pregnancy was, it was hard and it was heavy and it was very lonely, that one. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It just, it felt, I don't know, uh, you feel people's judgment. I don't necessarily think they're judging you, but Mm -hmm. you feel the judgment of people going, why is she doing this again? Right, yeah. You know, she's yeah. doing this to herself again. Why? Yeah. You know, she could opt out and not do this. Yeah, and so you feel, I guess, there's, whether it's people's comments or it's things in your head, there's a lot of talk going on, you know, yeah. about what you're doing and why. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard work. Um, yeah, I bet. Yeah, mentally and physically, yeah. Yeah, and going into that birth felt very different. There was, like, there was a, like, we've made it with Nina. Um, yes. With Molly, it was like, why the heck have I done this to myself again? Right. I'm about to walk into this experience of life and death in a day. It is enormous. Like, that's just an enormous emotional day. And yep. I'm going to walk out the other side without a child again. Mm. Again. Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah, that was big. There was a real, I felt, yeah, just probably pretty down going into that birth. Yeah, that this was the end of it. And, yeah. Did you find um, the grief kind of compounded after you lost Molly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd written the whole way through. So for both, my friends suggested with Nina that I write a blog so that I could keep people in the loop with Nina. And I did that. And I followed that right through with Molly as well, just keeping people up to date. And I guess I did a heap of my grieving Mm. prior to the babies being born because... I could. I, I had the warning that they were going to go, and I had the ability to to process a lot of that. Yeah, and after Molly, yeah, it was, yeah, it definitely felt a harder hit. There was a lot, yeah, there was a lot to work through, mm. just wrestle with, yeah. And and how are you and your family doing now? How long since you lost Molly? Yeah, so Molly, she would be three oh, yes, and a bit. Thing. Yeah, three and a bit. So it's yeah, been three and three and a little bit years um yeah yeah um we are we're good like grief's a strange thing and there's Mm -hmm. kind of different patterns to it for different people for me but some people say they never get back to feeling themselves again right i i felt that after nina but now i i really feel like i'm myself again i I am me me completely and fully there's there's times when when of course you feel deep grief but of course yeah but yeah i feel I've done a lot of processing and 
a lot of writing and thinking and I feel really yeah joyful about life and yeah yeah amazing I feel back (laughs) do you and your family have any kind of special things that you do rituals traditions for your two little girls Nina and Molly yeah I guess when we're not I'm pretty ad hoc on things (laughs) yeah that's okay you're allowed but I feel like uh, for me that's it's almost like you you just need to see what like on their birthdays on their birthdays this is the one thing that we keep every year is that that day is just for them yeah we that's really important to us because life's so busy that honestly I don't get the time to think about them very often yeah yeah <laughs> you know that they're very present and real for a couple of years after they were born and you would see the missing of them in every family you saw and I really you know I felt like a loss all the time. Life gets busier and I really have to be purposeful about grieving and, and right. thinking about them. Um, yeah, and so we like to just make sure that that day is just for them. And mm. in the beginning, it was just for them. It was only, we would only do stuff, you know, it was just a whole family day, just our nuclear family. Um, and it was just for them. But as life goes on, things pop up and you just decide on the year, hey, do I feel up to friends are, friends are you know, inviting us for dinner right. or whatever. You know, you, you just soften over time and yeah. you make it work um, however you want it to work. But I just always want to make it their day. So it's, yeah, nobody else is kind of stealing that time from us. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that it's, yeah. That it's, it's a one day that you're purposeful about thinking about them in a year. Nice. <laughs> And imagine because you had a birth photographer and I know your sister's a photographer that you've yeah. got lots of beautiful photos. Yeah, we do. We were incredibly fortunate and had, um, I guess that's that's a lovely thing too, knowing you can plan and be planned about things and have yeah. stuff prepared. And so, yeah, we had, we had birth photographers there for both of them and they're beautiful to look at. Um, very special to have. I mean, you. there's always, you'd love photos of them as they, you know, you, you always think later, oh, I wish I had a photo of that or that. Um, right. Yeah, but it is, we feel incredibly fortunate to have those beautiful photos. As yeah. Memories. Yeah. Yeah. So special. Yeah. Mm. Okay. We've just got a couple of questions to finish off. And yeah, the first sure. one is, um, what have you learned about yourself through this <laughs> massive journey that you've been on? Yeah, I guess I've learned about myself. Uh, we're pretty strong people. Like, we can put our minds to things and do hard things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're much more capable than we realise mm-hmm. as well. Like, yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, I guess I've learned it's really deepened my faith. Like, I've always had a strong faith, Christian faith, but, man, stuff going through hard stuff just puts puts it on the line and mm. you have to make it real for yourself. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I, my faith has deepened big time in this. I've had to ask really big questions of God. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would you do this to me and then do it, to, you know, like this to is the kind twice. of questions we ask, you know, why would you do this to me and do it to me twice, you know. Yeah. But you have to work through that stuff and you have to, figure this stuff out if you know if that's a big part of your life god or faith that you've got to really wrestle with that stuff yeah and it's good too it's it's really good too and it just i think yeah it brings you out the other side Mm. a stronger person Mm -hmm. and a more empathetic person and a seeing you see the reasons why people do things you see an empathy you have an empathy for people and and for why they react in certain ways yeah yeah it just it just changes your perspective yeah, and I bet you're now the person that notices if someone isn't right or if they were pregnant and suddenly they're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It teaches you. Yeah, it teaches you how to deal with a whole lot of things like that. Yeah, and yeah. And if if you knew someone who was facing a similar situation to you, what what would you say to them? I think the key thing for me, like the thing that probably triggered most for me was like, you have to make these decisions. You have to own these decisions yourself, you know, like when Mm -hmm. you're making decisions about um, whether you'll carry or whether you'll terminate. I guess that's often what it comes back to me is like, they've got to be yours and you've got to make them yourself. You know, 
um, take the time to talk to people, to think about it, and to really work through all you can in your head so that the decision's yours. Yeah, that would be a biggest thing for me that I would say. I had to make it real for myself, yeah. not not just do what I should do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then our final question, Kelly, is what does it mean to you to be Brooklyn, Jake, Nina and Molly's mum? Yeah, I I love, I love, actually, moving from three to four children, it just felt like a massive achievement for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It was just like, hey, I'm the mum of four kids. Like, yeah. whoa, yeah, I've got four kids. Not, not that they're here with me, but... Yeah, I think for me, I'd always had that tally in my mind of like that, the stupid tally <laughs> saying yeah. that if you're a mum of more children, you're a better mum. It's, it's just not true. Like, it's not true. And all our journeys do not pan out in that way. Yeah. And yeah, but there's, yeah, I love saying that I have four children because mm-hmm. they are as, I love them as much as my living children. And of course, I wish I could say it every time. I pick and choose my times of when I bother to say two or four children because sometimes it's just, it's not worth the explanation. But yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, like, yeah, I'm okay with going, hey, sometimes, sometimes I say I've just got two. Other times I go, yeah, I've got four kids. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Oh, Kelly, you are wonderful. Thank you so much. So much for sharing that beautiful, beautiful story with us. And I feel so privileged to have been able to sit here and listen to it. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. Oh, I, I have so many words to say, but all I can say is thank you, thank you. You're amazing. That's all right. <laughs> thank you again, Kelly, for allowing us to hear your story. I am so sorry Nina and Molly are not with you in person. I am truly honoured to hear and share your story. As always, I hope this podcast brings you hope, healing and hugs. I'd really love you to help me share this podcast far and wide so those who need to hear it can. You can do this by subscribing to the podcast, you can leave a review in the app you're listening on, or you can simply share it with a friend. I'd be so grateful if you did.